The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss one of the fastest growing platforms in the organic and paid social space, Quora. Joining us is J.D. Prater, who is an evangelist for Quora, which is a Q&A platform that empowers people to share and grow the world's knowledge. J.D. is responsible for raising the visibility of Quora amongst brands and marketers. And today, he's going to tell us about why brands should prioritize Quora as an organic marketing channel. Okay, here is our conversation with J.D. Prater, an evangelist at Quora. J.D., welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Very excited to hear about your background, hear a little bit about Quora, which is a topic that keeps coming up. And also, great to connect with a listener of the show. Thanks for being a member of our community. Well, thank you for putting out such uh, amazing content. It keeps me engaged and entertained. And thank you. I'd like to give all the credit to our guests and my editor. I am just the talking head here at the MarTech Podcast. But let's talk a little bit about you today. Tell me a little bit about your background and about your role at Quora. So I've been in marketing for just over 10 years now. Got started in the nonprofit world, believe it or not. And then as I'm sure many of your listeners is like, hey, new guy, we have this thing called Twitter and Facebook. Can you go figure it out? Right. So this was like 2009, 2010, and you're kind of coming on the scene and you're the new guy. So jumped right into it, got addicted to that immediate feedback loop and slowly made my way into agencies, which made my way out here into the Bay Area working for a PPC analytics and reporting tool. And that's how I got involved with Quora. So we were in part of their beta during that time. And we found out that we had great results, ended up writing some blogs, we did a webinar with them, we did a case study with them, we did a podcast with them. And ultimately, after a year and a half of that relationship, they said, Hey, do you just want to come do this full time? And I was like, let's do it. Awesome. Well, it's an exciting opportunity. One of the fastest growing social media channels, both in organic and paid. And I'm excited to learn a little bit about it because everybody I talk to, specifically in our paid social week with Soso Sazesh from Growth Pilots was saying, hey, look, Quora's got that Facebook DNA and the way that they built their ad platform is really something special. Now's the time to figure it out. But we're not going to talk necessarily about the paid social space. Let's talk about Quora's bread and butter, which is the Q&A platform and some of the organic growth channels. Talk to me about why brands should prioritize putting content into Quora and what are the strategies they should use to make sure that it's effective? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. And it's one that we hear quite a bit. And really what it comes down to is Quora is a demand-driven platform, right? So you have customers, your potential customers asking questions about your brand, your product, your service, your competitors. And it's a natural way for you to jump in that conversation and provide a really valuable answer, provide that answer that they're looking for, be the expert in the space, and ultimately build out that credibility and thought leadership. And hey, you might even drive some traffic back to that website with some good links in there. Here's the big thing that I have a question about related to Quora, and it's really a prioritization exercise. And I actually think of a couple different publishing platforms to be in the same space, right? I can go and take my content, whether it's a transcription of a podcast or if I'm going to write the equivalent of a blog post, and I could publish that on my site and own the traffic, right? And eventually, if I do a good job with my SEO, Google's just going to start sending me some users. People are going to find it in organic search. Why am I taking the effort that I could be putting into owning an asset myself and putting it onto a platform like Quora or, you know, there are other publishing platforms like the mediums of the world and, and even Twitter. Why am I not publishing that content and owning myself? Why am I putting it into another social platform? I think there's a couple of things there. Being a marketer myself, I think own your content. I will never tell you that you shouldn't own that content, own that audience. But where we hear from a lot of marketers is they're having trouble amplifying it and distributing that content. And that's where I think Quora comes into play and can really help you out is there, your blog is probably answering questions. So what we would recommend is, hey, go find those questions that your blog is already answering and just copy paste and link back to that blog. So that way you're getting the traffic, you're getting the answer, but it's also just wise to help people as they're on that knowledge journey. It's hard to rank on Google, let's be honest. Those top four ad slots are only pushing organic further down. They're actually answering more questions in their knowledge graph. So the future of organic for me is like, I don't want to rely on this changing algorithm all the time. Granted, do it. Get great SEO, but also further distribute and amplify using Quora to help you out. So you think of Quora as a content syndication platform. What I'm reading into that is we have a user base. People are on the platform. They're searching for answers. They're asking questions. If you come in and answer them, you can take snippets of your content and then link back to it. Is that the best practice? Yeah, I think you can do two things. You can do the snippet, which I encourage people to do and answer the question. I'm always going to say, answer the question. And then making sure that you're using those snippets from your blog is that if you're just going to straight up copy paste, make sure that you're putting it in quotes and linking back to the source, which is great for you. The other part that you can do is you can actually rework that answer. So that way it doesn't come off as like duplicate content on the platform. So that way, if you're reworking it, rewording, that way it'll feel more native. What is the best format for answers on Quora? Are people looking for short form content and links to direct them to longer form? Are they looking for the entire answer? Really what I'm getting at is it seems like a lot of work to take a blog post, find the questions, answer them, and rewrite what you've already written. Can you basically use shorter form content to reduce the amount of content refactoring? There's a couple of different ways. And I would always say, again, answer the question first, be the most high value because core answers are also ranked similar to Google. The best answer is going to get surfaced to the top. And we have some people who actually will take the Quora answer and then they'll put it on their blog. 
So they'll take Cora. So an example, of this would be Jason Lampkin. You go check him out on Cora. He's a VC here in the Silicon Valley. He started EcoSign, sold it to Adobe. Now he runs Saster, which is this over 10,000 person conference. He did, he's done it all by Cora. So 3,100 answers. That's how much he's done in like in the last couple of years. He's not doing all of those himself. Get out of here. <laughs> Maybe not all of them, but I will tell you, he is doing a lot of them because I've actually asked questions and you can request people to answer and he'll answer it in like 15 to 20 minutes with like this amazing answer. And it's a unique answer that only he could have written. And so not all of them, but you know, he's probably got some ghost writers or some content people helping him out for sure. Absolutely. Okay. So talk to me about the scale of Quora. When we talk about this as a content syndication platform, yes, there's work to refactor your content to make it appropriate to answer the question, how big is Quora? And help me understand why it's worth the investment in time, effort, budget to take the content you're producing and get it onto the platform. So last fall, we announced over 300 million monthly uniques coming to Quora every month. It's a fairly good size. And what's really cool about that number of 300 million is that's only in our English silo. So that's only like English language questions and answers. We have recently just launched into 16 new languages. So we're pumped about just the ability to have content be able to be in like a native language outside of just English. So we're excited for that for 2019. We're not slowing down. The growth is still coming. You can expect another big number later this year. But I think when you think about scale, it's really to kind of understand a couple of different things. So I was mentioning Jason. Jason has over 44 million views on his answer. 44 million. I can almost guarantee his blog does not have that. There's another example of Oren Hoffman. Oren is the former CEO of LiveRamp. He has 60 million. There's a couple of these stories that I could repeat over and over. So when I think about scale, I think about the audiences there, the intent is there. And then if you're able to provide those answers and repurpose content as an easy wins, you could also get to those million plus views. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? 
Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Help me understand when you think about the 300 million page views for someone like me, it's incomprehensible. That is so much volume. How does that stack up against the other social networks? And how big of an opportunity do you think in terms of content syndication does Quora provide as opposed to a LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook? Don't get me wrong. I think LinkedIn's just over 600 million users. Twitter, the 300 million users. Pinterest is at like 250, 275. Facebook's at like, what, 2.5 billion? If you're on the internet, you're probably on Facebook, right? It's everyone. But what we really like is the evergreen nature of Quora. So within Quora, all your answers, all that content is uh, evergreen, meaning that it is being indexed and ranked in Google and being search engines. So what that means is it's going to get surfaced in that organic result. And Quora, for the most part, does rank well when it comes down to the search engines on certain questions. So whenever we think about it, we really think about growing and sharing the world's knowledge. You have that knowledge and it's a very unique thing that we want to be able to share with the rest of the world. So we're really looking at how do you democratize knowledge and have it in this place, fully understand that we're not as big, but we're getting there. I mean, with 300 million, about half of that is in the US. So we're roughly about 140 million people in the US, which is about one in three people. Do you think of Quora's competition being the other social networks? Is it the sort of disaggregated blog landscape? Who do you guys think of on the organic side as who you're competing against? I mean, if we're honest, it's anything that captures your attention. (laughs) That's a little too broad. (laughs) (laughs) That would be the broadest. So whenever we think about competition, it looks a little bit different. Some people would say like Wikipedia. Wikipedia is really looking at true and false type of content. This battle happened in 1780. That was a true fact, right? And they're really going long form where we're really kind of focused on a little bit shorter form. So we were mentioning earlier with some of those, the median answer is 100 words. Most people can speak 100 words in a minute. So say your answer, transcribe it, you're done, right? But I think whenever we see that a lot of knowledge is experiential, there's a lot of opinion when it comes to some of these answers. So being able to give your experience, give your opinion can really help out a lot of other people. So let's say you were working with a property that makes content in the marketing space and it is, I don't know, audio. And everything they have has been transcribed and turned into medium length blog posts. What's the right process for you, this person who will be remain nameless, it's me, (laughs) to get their content from their blog to Quora? Walk me through what the strategy you would apply to start driving organic growth. So I think a couple of things, it's already transcribed. You already have it. The words are there. And that's what is really what's important because Quora right now is text-based. We've experimented with some video. Maybe we're going to wait a couple of years for that. But with the text, what I would look for is a couple of things. So Quora is organized into topics. From here, you can think maybe your strong keywords, right? So maybe it's MarTech or MarTech podcast. So go and search that on Quora. It's really easy. I'm sure that's already a MarTech topic. Follow the topic. Whenever you follow that topic, that'll also give you insight into all the questions, all the answers. You'll also see those in your feed. So it also helps Cora understand more about you. 
And what you'll be able to do from there is see the questions that are most relevant to you. You can do a quick search as well. One of my favorites to do is we use a tool called SEM Rush, a pretty good tool as far as like indexing. Go ahead, type in Quora and type in your keywords, and it'll actually show you where Quora ranks in Google. So go answer those questions first. That way you can be the best answer with the content that you have within the Google search results. So what I'm hearing is if you're trying to maximize the output of the work you're going to be doing, you have to work from a bottoms up approach. And you're saying, hey, look, focus on what Google is going to rank first, just like you would with your SEO, figuring out where there's an opportunity to leverage Quora to rank for specific keywords, go answer those questions. What do you do? Let's say one of the questions that Quora ranks really well for is what are the best MarTech tools? And there's a hundred answers to that question. Why am I going to bother to answer that question if there's already been a bunch of responses? How am I going to get my content to rank? This one is a tricky one. There's some really cool little things about this. So if you already see a hundred answers, the next thing I look for is how many followers are on that question. And here's why that's important. Because let's just say there's 200, 300 people following that specific question. When you answer, they all get pinged that you answered. So that is a notif, like a notification. It could be in-app. So it could be like on the desktop. It could be in their app. It could also be through email. It depends on their user settings. What that also means is they're going to see your answer. If it's a good answer and you're a thought leader in the space, chances are you're going to get upvotes. And whenever you get those good community upvotes and your answer is unique, it's different, you can easily outrank some of those other ones because... I've seen where some answers are the number one answer, but they're from like 2010, 2011. That answer was really good then, but right now it's out of date. And so by providing updated information, you can easily leap. Okay. So we're going to start by looking for what's likely going to have an impact, what's going to rank in Google, figure out what our target question list is. We're going to look at the number of followers for those questions and figure out when we have a response, we're going to ping everybody who's a follower with a notification when we answer. And since our answer is obviously going to be the best one, hopefully we start going up the rankings. You use the example of, hey, one of these questions was what were the best MarTech tools? And the answer happened in 2010. It's 2019. Maybe Salesforce and Marketo aren't the best MarTech tools around anymore, but that answer has had 10 years to collect upvotes. Does velocity or does the real-time publishing have an impact, or is it just simply a body count of upvotes that are going to get you to rank at the top for a question? Yeah, and it's something that even I don't fully know. There is an algorithm to each person. So there's a lot of things that go into it. These are the things that I do know. I'm sure there's even more that I'm missing. So one of those is you, the writer. So if you're writing your first answer, we don't know if you're an expert yet. You're writing your 50th and your 100th answer. We know where you're an expert and how good your answers are. So that also means that there is a kind of an author rank that goes into it. Recency is definitely important. Upvotes are important, but also who's upvoting is also important. So if you have experts upvoting, that is weighted different than maybe a new person, a newbie who maybe not be an expert. So all of these things are all taken into consideration whenever you're classifying what is the top answer. So your answer may only have three or four upvotes, but it's like from Mark Benioff himself on MarTech Tools. And they're saying, yeah... Jason Lampkin, who's running Saster, this is a really good answer. Okay, Ben has the best. 
Note to self, ask Mark Benioff to up like my stuff on Quora. Okay, great. <laughs> Sounds easy. My next question was going to be, what's stopping me from going on to Amazon and mechanical turking a bunch of upvotes to get my content to rank? If upvotes matter I and mean, they're coming from irrelevant people, they basically get blacklisted or they get ignored by the algorithm. That's correct. So yeah, even when the upvotes happen, all those things happen. So I've had ones where this is before joining Quora, I would send my answer to all my teammates. They would all upvote it really quick. And you're like, but why am I still not number one? I have more upvotes and I've got them from you know the quickest amount of time. Because there's an engineer somewhere that knew you were bullshitting. That is correct. And Core has got some really good engineers that are pretty good at sniffing out some bullshit. <laughs> okay. So we talked about going from bottoms up and looking at Google, seeing where things were going to rank, figuring out what were the questions that were likely going to get notifications to a large audience. Once you have something that is ranking, how do you maximize the visibility and the impact that, you know, I'm number one on what are the best MarTech tools? How do I make the most of that answer? We'll get into some ads here in a second, but there's a couple of ways that I've seen this done. One is to make sure that you keep your answer relevant and fresh. So you can actually edit an answer. Going back to that 2011 example, if that person was to come in, update their answer, and you can write in edits and make sure that it stays fresh. That would be the number one. So it's very similar like what we would do even with our own blogs is how do you keep that content fresh? That would be one. Two, we have promoted answers. You can actually promote your answer. So it is kind of like a promoted tweet. It is like a Facebook boost. And that'll help increase your reach on that answer that will not impact your organic ranking, but it will help get you the views that maybe you want on your answer. So with the promoted answer, you can increase your organic reach. And that one's really for like, I got a really good answer. I don't have time to wait for this, right? I don't want to wait for the organic views to come in. Totally cool. We get you. Another way that we've seen is you can actually drive ads to your answer. So this one is crazy. So DuckDuckGo, Google competitor, is running Twitter, Facebook, Reddit ads to their Quora answer because there's so much value in the answer and because there's so much social proof on the answer. And it's been one of their best acquisition channels for them. It's been fun to watch. So when you basically get positioned as a subject matter expert, people are using their advertising to validate that they know what they're talking about and then hopefully linking back to whatever property they want. That's correct. One quick caveat I want to make is if you want to be a subject matter expert on Quora, it does take consistency and it does take high value. So what I mean by that is you're going to have to come in probably every day, at least every other day and be consistent in your answers. Also pick maybe two, three different topics that where you can go deep on, where you are an expert. And the reason for that is we then classify you as an expert in this topic. And also whenever people are asking questions, they're going to go request answers. Whether they are requesting answers, we stack rank all of our people who are most likely to answer it. So if I say, oh, wow, Ben has like 50 questions under MarTech, I bet Ben's more likely to answer my question and to do it well. So that's who I want to hear from. And make sure you have a really good profile too. Profiles are key. Okay. So I think just to summarize some of the things that you said is A, take a bottoms up approach. Basically look at where you're going to try to get some volume in Google. Look for questions that are going to have a high number of followers. And then you got to post consistently and you're picking a couple different subjects that you're going to really be an expert on, be an influencer on. 
And over time, what's going to happen is people will start requesting for you to answer questions, which is going to be a good sign for Quora that you have some authority on a specific subject, which then helps you rank further and get more visibility. Awesome. JD, I'm excited to hear about this. We're going to start testing some Quora content for the MarTech podcast here before the end of the year. But I want to continue the conversation. Let's table the rest till tomorrow when we're going to talk about the new paid advertising platform on Quora. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to J.D. Prater, an evangelist at Quora, for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, J.D. is going to tell us about Quora's recent entrance into the paid social advertising space. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about J.D., you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at J.D. Prater, that's J-D-P-R-A-T-E-R, or you could visit his company's website, which is quora.com business to learn about how Quora supports businesses. A couple of links that I want to tell you about in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. We've got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thanks for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you. So we created benjshap.com slash questions, where you can ask us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P on LinkedIn and on Twitter, soon to be on Quora as well. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to the rest of our conversation with J.D. Prater, the evangelist at Quora, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. And if you'd prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we also have a once a week newsletter with links to our audio players, episode summaries, and the contact information for all of our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash newsletter. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.